2: You better not come in here with mild depression next Monday. You're, you're bringing us some Debbie Danger. It's hard
3: to get in the zone. Jesus I am Christ. one million percent going to use that at the start of the podcast. I know. <laughs>
1: Hello my friends and welcome to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. I am Louise McSharry and I am very happy to be back with you for another week. I'm not going to lie to you guys, I did not have the best week. Um, I am not feeling the best I've ever felt but honestly doing this podcast gives me such a lift and um, I really enjoy working on it and the feedback that you guys give me is so lovely and so I'm so grateful for it all of it even when you're you know maybe making suggestions or maybe you're not happy with something that I've said I really do appreciate hearing from you and I heard from so many people about last week's introduction when I was talking about the kind of rough patch I've been going through in terms of how I feel about my body and um it is a comfort to me to hear that that other people are feeling like that well in one way it's a comfort and in another way it just makes me really sad that we're all kind of trapped in this prison of of you know body bullshit which is really what it is um but so many of you got in touch with me this week and I really really appreciated it um I hope you might be feeling a little bit better and this is a very busy pod this week um so I'm not gonna waffle on too much now we've got loads to come I'm gonna be speaking to Miss Ireland Pamela Uba as she comes to the end of her reign as Miss Ireland in the middle of the podcast if you are not familiar with Pamela and the work that she does and the journey that she took to get to where she is now i like pl- you are going to really love getting to know her she is a truly remarkable woman and i think we are so lucky to have her um, here in this country um then later on of course we're going to catch up on the week's entertainment news esther is going to take us through f- everything from all the stars who are back for neighbors last episode which is airing this week to whether or not we're getting a spin-off of love island with middle-aged contestants. I, for one, I'm here for it. Um, but let's kick off. We will get a catch up with the week's news from Aoife Moore. Aoife Moore, um, we are recording in kind of unusual circumstances today. I'm sitting in a car um, in Dolphin's Barn. You are in Amsterdam, in a room with a dog. Hey, I'm
3: in. Yeah, little little baby like it. I'm in my brother's gap in Amsterdam with his dog.
1: Okay, so just, you know, if you hear a car in the background, if you hear a dog in the background, that's because of our our setup today. And can I just say thank God for technology. I know, isn't it amazing? We did like, a lot
3: of this. We did a lot of this in pandemic when you were in your former life. Yeah, exactly. We did a lot of over the phone radio shows. Exactly. So we it
1: now. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's just the summer, isn't it? But we've got lots to talk about, so we better get into it. Um, now the the news this week is not exactly cheery. Um, but I will say it I it do ever? have a somewhat lighter story to finish on. But we'll start with the announcement. Um, of uh. Law changes to the law around consent in rape cases.
3: I feel like every week we're talking about something else that Helen McEntee has done that is a good thing. This is like a Helen McEntee stand podcast. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> this week, the Justice Minister Helen McEntee, she got cabinet approval uh, to strengthen laws in rape cases. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is the proposals would change the law around consent, knowledge, and belief in rape. Mm -hmm. And the way it's going to change is currently, Irish rape law states that the accused commits rape when they have unlawful sexual intercourse with a person who at the time of the intercourse does not consent to it. Or if the person is reckless as to whether... She does or does not consent it, but under Helen McEntee's new law, which has been roundly welcomed, it means that juries now have to examine whether the accused took to check Mm. whether or not consent was received. You can't just assume anymore
1: that it's fine. It's interesting because I actually wasn't aware of this that, like, you know, people can defend themselves in rape cases by saying that they all they have to do is convince people that they genuinely believed that consent was given. Yes. So it's totally subjective at the moment. Like, you know, someone can be saying, you know, giving all the signs that they're not interested. Thought, but if you, you can, can say, say, I, I thought, I thought yeah, which we've yeah. we've heard time and time again, you know, as cases are reported. Um, so the
3: quickest, the quickest way I can describe it is it'll go from um, she doesn't say no, it has to be she said yes.
1: Yeah, it's a huge difference. You know, like
3: that. yeah. And they're also taking away, um, I didn't even realise this was a thing and I find this so disturbing. But there's a set, a defense of self-intoxication. So they're removing that. So basically, basically
1: I was locked. So I, I was so locked, it wasn't rape.
3: So I didn't really I didn't I didn't check, therefore it's not my fault. So self-intoxication is gonna be removed as a defense as well, because that's it's I mean, I can't believe it was ever a defense.
1: That is um really, really, really really positive news um it's interesting i'm just looking at the journal i have a, an article about this in the first comment and i know we all know about the yeah, comments don't read any the comment comments. section in the comments in any uh, particularly the journal but the first one says hey you want to get out of here and go back to my place sure just sign here an initial year like people are so like some people are so deliberately obtuse about this stuff like it is not also, hard they're... to get consent it doesn't make it not sexy are, do you like this are you enjoying this like it can be very sexy
3: honestly the type of person who would leave that comment is the sort of person where people should sign and anoint to see them because like <laughs> what
1: i know it's wild anyway that's great that is good news so i said it was a bit the news is a bit heavy but that is good news and actually this is good news as well um news about the monkeypox vaccine
3: Yeah, I think people are hearing a lot about monkeypox, um, but they're not, like, they don't actually know a lot about it. I feel like it's kind of on the periphery of the news, but people aren't talking enough about it. But this week, the Department of Health announced plans that they're going to expand the use of the smallpox vaccine to protect against monkeypox. You know, we're seeing this in other places, we're seeing it in America and in England, because there has been a small outbreak of monkeypox. So, NIAC, um, you know, NIAC, our best friends during the vaccine rollout, really, mm. they have recommended that those at the high risk of infection be inoculated and they be offered um, a pre exposure prophylactic. Um, most people know that as PrEP, a PrEP vaccination. Mm. And they it's two doses and you get them 28 days apart. Um, Ireland has only had 69 cases since May, mm. um, but it is. We know it is obviously defense is better than offense. So they want people to be prepped. Um, It is not, and there has been a lot of um, misinformation with this. This is not a gay disease Mm -mm. or something that only gay men get. No. It's from skin-to-skin contact, most usually. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Um, And a lot of where it has kind of appeared has been within the communities of men who have sex with men, but anyone can get this, and um, yeah, this is a really good sign. Um, I think we're a bit behind the curve, yeah, to America,
1: <laughs> and the only reason In England. It's, a, it's happening more with men who have sex with men is because as you say it's skin to skin contact and men who have sex with men generally are having more sex than the rest of us mm-hmm. <laughs> like good for them exactly mm-hmm. so
3: mm-hmm.
1: so it's good that the, that the those people gay and bisexual men um have been included in kind of the top tier of people who are going to receive mm-hmm. these vaccinations and um i have to say all power to empower um which is HIV Ireland's kind of gay men's health program um, and Adam mm-hmm. Shanley is manager of that program and he is just so amazing he does unbelievable awesome. work for gay men's health in this country yeah. and he campaigned hard and i know lots of other people did as well but they've really done a lot of work when it comes to informing gay and bisexual mm-hmm. men in that community the lgbtq plus community in general about the risks um i know they had a community chat online on wednesday night it would be great to see maybe more of an information campaign out there so that yeah. people can be more prepared
3: that has been the main criticism that most men who are getting information about this are not getting it from the public service. They're not getting it from the government. They are getting it from gay health websites. You know, places mm. like Empire HIV Ireland. Mm. That really shouldn't fall to NGOs and charities. That should be something that um, the government is taken head on. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that the va- <clears throat> I'm glad that the vaccine is being rolled out. Um, but as usual with anything to do with LGBTQ. Plus things, I think the government are a bit behind the curve and they could have done this a bit earlier. Yeah.
1: Um, let's move on. There was a story this week. Um, I always feel like story is, is no. There was a case this week we were talking about oh. real people and real people's lives where garda was jailed for three years for horrendously abusing a terminally ill woman.
3: This is one of the worst cases like anyone, like everyone who has um, talked about this case. So Paul Moody, who was a Garda at Irish Town, Garda Station in Dublin, pleaded guilty uh, last week to coercive control of this woman. He was sentenced to three and a quarter years in prison, which is three years and three months, which is around the same amount of time that he terrorised this woman. Um, there was 19 other charges, assault, theft, criminal damage and threats to kill. He He's 42, um... He beat, kicked, punched and choked a woman uh, for nearly three years. He met her online and they started a romantic relationship. He sent over 31,000 threatening, abusive, degrading and demeaning text messages. She's also terminally ill. She has cancer. He told her that he hoped she'd die of cancer. And I hope and she hope he hoped that she would die in pain. When she did not consent, he took photos of her naked when she was asleep and threatened to circulate them online. He stole her cancer medication. He used the pulse system, the Yarda pulse system, to look up her friends and family and intimidate them. Honestly, I cannot say enough horrible things about this version. Like, truly a really horrific, horrific person. Um, The lady involved um has spoken to rte about what happened and said you know was bad enough having cancer bad enough having control and partner but when that partner is also a garda at, she literally felt like she had nowhere else to go yeah. a lot of people have been talking this week about the sentence the sentence that the top sentence that you can give for a course of control is five years mm. and then because he played guilty the judge then has to give a 25% reduction. So that's why it's down to three years, three months, but it is not it's
1: absolutely
3: not. not long enough because this man seems incredibly
1: dangerous. No, exactly. I mean, 30- I mean he'll be 45 when he comes out or, or maybe 46, yeah. depending on, on, like where he is in his, in his age of 42, if you know what I mean. And like, he, yeah. you know, he can get straight back on those ops and like, who knows who he'll meet and what he might do. Maybe he'll be reformed. I mean, Honestly, maybe he won't like I, you know, the Irish Times had an absolutely heartbreaking um, piece last week where they they listed the uh, nearly 300 women or is it 200? I'm going to get the number wrong. The women who have been killed violently in Ireland since they started recording the deaths women's aid Mm -hmm. in the 90s. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was just a paragraph on each of these women who they were and how they died and I I spent I mean it took me a long time to read the whole thing but I couldn't not I felt like such Mm -hmm. a compulsion to read every description to take a moment to like appreciate that that person's life and Mm -hmm. so often within that list they were killed by people who had done horrific things before and I'm not saying that that will happen with this person but I'm saying three and a half years for someone who is violent and you know uses psychological means to abuse someone is not mm. enough like how can we feel safe if, if someone's going to be out in a few worried. years I, would,
3: I wouldn't be a, like, this huge proponent of you know just lock people up and no, neither. Um, throw away the key but like if that is the case like he's away now for what three years also there has to be some kind of counseling there has to be some kind of psychological yeah. treatment there's no point throwing people in jail and hoping for the best when you've bored the life out of them for no exactly years, like- there's
1: obviously something wrong with him like something is wrong with him no human being behaves that way if they're right in the head and I don't mean I mean like maybe he suffered from abuse maybe he I'm not trying to make an excuse but there's something wrong like he needs yeah. help if he's going to come back out into the world and be back on the apps potentially and women like you and me potentially meeting him and potentially starting relationships with him work has to be done in that time i totally agree
3: yeah and like the worst of what it is and i think this is something that you're definitely going to have to look at now because there's been such a public outcry but because of the way the pension rules are laid out he will still receive his guard a pension yeah course, and he yeah. didn't get sacked from the guard. he resigned because the way it was done they couldn't do like a disciplinary until the case was over but he just—he's going to resign from the charity. I don't think if I pled guilty to terrorizing my partner, I would keep my job and be allowed to resign. Certainly um, not. And I'm I also get a—he gets a full pension, so
1: I. Oh, that's so very frustrating.
3: <laughs> so okay. um I think that's something they're going to have to look at as well, because I don't think Gary, who abuse women, should be allowed to keep their guard pension.
1: No, like, that's just. No. Uh, no. He no. used his
3: position in the Guardi to terrorizers like therefore you shouldn't be allowed to keep the money.
1: A million percent. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, let's move next to the death of David Trimble. Um, I know you'll have things to say about this.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um for those not informed David Trimble died during the week. He was seventy-seven. He was one of the architects of the Good Friday Agreement. He was the leader of the Ulster Unionist Party. He... <clears throat> was Northern Ireland's first ever first minister. Um and he, you know, was very famous for winning the Nobel Peace Prize along with John Hume hmm. in nineteen ninety-eight. And, you know, like that kind of famous picture of um having Hume and your best friend Bono. Um, <laughs> he was a really complicated figure. I've been yeah. kind of frustrated um this week at the commentary, which is the same as when everyone dies, of course, like you're not gonna um
1: remember the worst they're bits. Always
3: came- yeah exactly but yeah. he was a very complicated figure you know he did come around to peace and he was part of the peace process but he has to he had to be dragged kicking and screaming at parts um he was a really really hard negotiator um most of the opposition that he received during the peace process came from his own party right so, you know, he nearly lost his leadership a number of times. He was not a popular leader. Mm. Now, I would say that those critics, internal critics that he had, who basically ruined his career, mm. have not come out and said that he was right, right. That the peace process was the right thing to do. Yeah. Um. He was, you know, earlier, he went into politics as a proper firebrand hardline unionist he was an orange man he was there um during the standoff he Road. there's a photo of him like arm in arm with ian paisley this is not yeah. some meek peacekeeper this is someone who had to be brought round yeah. to peace um but he eventually was yeah he lost his seat as first minister in 2005 because of his journey to peace mm. um and speaking you know he lost it basically because the good Friday agreement brought Sinn Féin to the table, and yeah. as, as long as the IRA agreed to decommission, and uh, within his own party and un- the unionist community, they weren't happy to accept that. Yeah, um, he lost his, resigned his first minister in two thousand and five after he lost his seat, and then he became um, a lord in the House of Lords. He joined the Conservative Party. Mm-hmm. He. Um, yeah he, i mean i read a new york times editorial about him at the time and they said he had an unappealing personality <laughs> <laughs> what an absolute burn um but yeah he was he was hardline um very pro staunch unionist yeah he you know was very um against equal marriage for a time and then one day now the lord announced that he was no longer against equal marriage because his daughter his daughter had married her girlfriend so he'd obviously
1: come on a journey there as well um you know like I think it's important to acknowledge these kind of developments because we live at a time where you know things are very black and white people are expected Mm -hmm. to be the finished product I think at all times Mm -hmm. and it's people are you know sometimes people struggle to forgive people for mistakes or for you know opinions and and he is evidence that you can change you can learn you can see things from a different perspective eventually maybe not all the things but like you know the Mm. progress can be made and it would be good if we remembered that
3: i remember hearing a quote from barack obama of all people who, who said the woke need to leave space for the waking yes and I thought that was a good way to
1: put it. It is good. Um, I love it. But
3: there was a really good piece in the Irish Times this week by Seanan Graham. And in the death, in the wake of the death of David Trimble, she went to the Garvahy Road and interviewed people who had lived there. Right. And it was a very different perspective. And they basically said, yeah, we're glad... That he came around to peace, but some of them were still very traumatized. Yeah, that's understandable. By the entire event. Yeah, yeah. So that was a really good piece of anybody's interested
1: in reading that as well. But yeah, he was a complicated person. But mm-hmm. aren't we all? This is it. Um, and just very quickly, absolutely terrible news for McDonald's. This
3: is terrible news for McDonald's. And it's terrible news for everybody else. McDonald's are going to make more money. McDonald's. Is terrible news from McDonald's. Always. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, McDonald's is hiking their prices for the first time in 14 years. Cheeseburgers will go for 150 to 170 This will not affect me in any way, shape, or form, because I never eat McDonald's. Why ever? I know well, good like for you, Aoife. Some of us like <laughs> McDonald's, okay? It's not that. It's like, if I'm going to get a takeaway, McDonald's isn't going to be enough. I need to get something, No, like McDonald's dirty. isn't
1: a takeaway. No, you're categorizing it, it in the wrong... It's not. McDonald's is an... Like a, it's like a, it's, it's, it may be a take, it might be a takeaway lunch if you're hungover, It's like you're going somewhere, you have it to fill the gap. You know, it might be, it's not a, it's not a takeaway. Like if you're ordering a takeaway, you're not ordering McDonald's. It's a different category. I'm sorry. Maybe I I
3: just, I've just put it in the wrong box. Yeah,
1: it's, 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 I mean, like, for example, today I have to drive my dad to Wexford. I'll probably stop at McDonald's at some stage on that drive. (laughs) you know because I have like to drive to Wexford nuggets. and back it, it's a little pick me up but like if I'm at home for ordering a takeaway on like a Sunday night that's no it's not oh okay anyway. i doing it wrong then absolutely devastating. anyway just
3: just like everyone else their company and the franchisees are feeling the punch when it comes to rising inflation and they had to put their prices up. Long story short, I'm sure it doesn't say this in the news piece, but I'm sure it's something to do with the war in Ukraine and sunflower oil because everything comes back to sunflower oil. So that's probably what's happening.
1: Damn here. Russia. Um, obviously, Getting's there are worse, worse consequences. Things are bad. From the war in Ukraine, than yeah. McDonald's prices going up. I, I appreciate that. Okay, Aoife, have a ball in Amsterdam. Be safe. Thank you so much. I make love. make safe, bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> when i going to go get on my bike now
3: and eat. What
1: do they eat in Holland? Chips, right? Stroopwafels,
3: they... my brother just showed
1: Stroop Stroopwafels. <laughs> <laughs> Off you go now and eat your stroopwafel. Love to your brother and uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Pamela Uba is the reigning Miss Ireland. She is a scientist. She is a model. She is gorgeous inside and out and so incredibly capable and driven. I, From the moment I met her, I knew I had to have her on this podcast. And as her reign as Miss Ireland comes to an end, I thought it was the perfect time to have a chat to her. I hope you enjoy. So Pamela, I was just saying to you that uh, from you know, I, I knew about you. I knew you were stunningly beautiful. I knew that you were Miss Ireland, but I didn't really know a whole lot more than that until we did an event together for International Women's Day back in March. And you yes. absolutely blew me away. <laughs> the work that you're doing, you know, the work that you've done to get where you are, um, just the the kind of person that you are. I was so impressed. So from that moment, I was like, I have to get her on the podcast. Oh. <laughs> and now I suppose your, your reign as Miss Ireland is kind of coming to an end. I thought it might be a nice time to talk to you. How are you feeling about that?
0: Um it's bittersweet, you know, cuz I probably the last year has been probably the best year of my life so far because just because of how my life started and how I got to where I am today and to do the things that I was able to do. Mm. It's been incredible. Like even meeting the people that I was able to meet over this past few months it's just it's so real it's something that I never thought would actually be possible so yeah I'm delighted and obviously my reign is almost over I'm going to be handing over the crown and all I can say about like whoever is next you know they just need to really know why they're doing it. I think that was the difference with me in my years. Like I had a purpose yeah. for doing what I did, and I think that's what makes a great ambassador for a country.
1: Well, let's go back to the beginning because you mentioned there kind of where where you come from. Um, and mm-hmm. for people who don't know, tell us about how your life began, and I suppose how you got to be here.
0: Okay, so I am a Nigerian born in South Africa. So I lived in South Africa until I was seven and then I moved to Ireland and it was my my pretty large family at the time that moved over was my mom and four four of us kids all young because I'm the eldest so they were all little toddlers Mm. and ended up in direct provision and most people probably already know what direct provision is at this stage you Mm. know and they know that it's a system that um is meant to look after people Mm. in the appropriate manners but some it just didn't end up that way you know it's a system that was meant to be a short-term system um, to qualify certain people with residency or Mm. you know just look after their their cases um we all know what's happening with ukraine at the moment as well so a lot of these people are going into asylum and refugee systems um but what happened to my family is that we ended up staying there for over 10 years and, mm. you know, not in the best conditions as well. You're living in box houses, not even houses for certain is rooms. You know, mm. I was in a caravan for over a year and a half. Mm. So it's quite a challenging system to grow up in. Yeah. You're segregated, yeah. you're made feel different, you know, as well. Yeah. And you're not um you can't work you mm-hmm. can't go to third level education mm-hmm. you know you don't have you don't have as many rights basically mm-hmm. you just wait in there for somebody to tell you what it is to do with your life yeah uh, that can be quite hard for both adults and children because the children can sense everything that's going going on and i i was a child in direct provision so yeah. i i could tell that something is abysmally wrong with that situation
1: yeah and I mean I suppose you were eight right when when you first so that means you did kind of your entire like a lot of your primary school all of your yeah Yeah. all of your secondary school your whole childhood was in that system Um, so you know you must have known that your life was different to your classmates in school what did that feel like
0: um it felt Felt strange. Like at the start, I didn't really know. I was too young to mm. understand. Until I began, um, I was getting a bit older. You know, yeah. as you get older, you, you're like you make more friends. Mm. You you join a few. Like I I very active child, so I joined a lot of clubs, a lot of different things. And going over to my friends' houses, seeing how they are in their houses, then I realized, oh, I can't bring them to my place. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it's it's not. Like it wouldn't be nice to be like, oh, we have to go to a canteen place and collect whatever they have for dinner. Yeah. You know, they would they wouldn't understand yeah. that aspect, and they wouldn't understand a security guard at the gate asking you, "Who are you and why are you here?" Type, yeah. You know, because it's guarded. You can't you can't get in like so easily.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, like even when I try to do my charity fundraiser for them to help them with the iPads you know some centers were afraid to let me in yeah. even though yeah. I knew all about it anyway yeah. you know that's that's how it is they don't want people to see what's actually going on inside
1: which is um, challenge.
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i used to get my friends to drop me off at the back entrance mm-hmm. so they think i was actually going up to another estate just so they wouldn't know where i live but they all knew what was going on yeah um like, it was it was not not nice and particularly in leave-insert cycle yeah. when you're starting talking about college and then you realize you can't go so it's hard to get excited, you
1: know. Yeah, talk to me about that because I know that you did study because you're not only mm. a model, Miss Ireland, <laughs> um, an incredible activist. You're also oh, just a scientist, like casual, um, <laughs> casual. <laughs> but but third level wasn't something that you just could assume you were going forward with, like mm. lots of other Irish people. You know, you you had a challenge because you would have been considered an international student. Am I right?
0: Yeah. So. International students, like even in something like an IT, you're paying so much money yeah. just on tuition. It was nine thousand euros for GMIT at the time. That's where I went, mm. um, and it's like, how do you expect a family who isn't allowed work, so earns nothing, yeah, to pay fees that high? And even if I went to apply for the grants, I'm the grant that is made, meant to be for people in disadvantaged mm. backgrounds didn't apply to me right? based on a status. So mm. it's like, how is that fair? You know, it's not like I'm not international. I lived here. I went to primary and secondary school mm. here, you know, so I. Um, It was quite a a challenge for me and my family, and it made me nearly give up on the leaving cert. Like, I was always a good student. I always got good grades. So my teachers knew I was going to do well Mm. for my leaving cert, but I just, I was not bothered. I didn't Well, yeah, you must have felt
1: like, what's the point?
0: That's how I felt, honestly, and it took my mom serious talking to me (laughs) constantly to shake me out of that. I went into a depression, like, so when people talk about depression, I know exactly what that feels like, because I was there, Um, I just gave up on life you know I saw lots of things happening there was awful things happening in the centers especially towards young females um, because sometimes you're not protected as well Mm. things can happen there's older single men there Mm. I saw all these things going on around me kids having kids at really young ages and Mm. I didn't I just was like mom is this what is this what's waiting for me like what is this um yeah so I think she saw that and she was like no this won't be my kids (laughs) but you know and she she was like she she fundraised money um you know got money from friends whoever just to get me through that first door and made a pact with her that if I can get in and do my first year at least I've secured my my place Mm -hmm. and I will do whatever job I need to do to just get there do yeah. you know what I mean and like and that's what I did like the first year of college I was still an asylum seeker I was still in direct provision yeah. and had to pretend otherwise to all, all my college mates I was relying heavily on the fact that Galway is a very festival-y kind of town it sure so is there was, always, there was always something going on in college it was like lots of food festivals I got a lot of my food from there um a lot of the time like, I applied for the student assistance fund. I entered competitions, which helped me pay my rent because there was no other way of doing it. I was living on, you know, the very, very cheap, cheap
1: noodles and yeah.
0: stuff like that, Um that must it have was, been
1: so stressful to be studying at the same time and obviously knowing that your mother had worked so hard to get the money together mm, to get you there. You must have felt a lot of pressure to kind of really perform when it came to your studies, but then to also have that stress just in terms of keeping your life on the road. I can't even imagine what that must have been like.
0: Yeah. Can, can you still hear me? Because I think my screen went black. Here. Yeah, don't worry. I can <laughs> still hear you. Yeah. yeah, no, but it was, it was really hard like I always knew that whatever I do I'm not only doing for myself I'm doing for my family I think I've always had that mindset based on how I grew up Mm -hmm. I nearly ended up after my leaving search I took over from my mom going to lawyers doing all that kind of responsibility that a parent would normally do and I ended up doing it because she also went into i I give up kinda
1: yeah
0: situation you know so, which is
1: understandable after ten years like my god,
0: like yeah. the mental
1: strength that it must take to keep yourself and your family going in a situation like that when mm. it goes on for that long i I can't even imagine
0: yeah no it was it was really tough on her uh tough on us, but we pulled through you know mm. i i I was working. Really late hours, doing all you know the night promoter kind of for the nightclubs and stuff. That's what I was doing at the time, just Mm. to to get just keep going and finish really late and start really early. Because my course is not a soft course. I was doing medical science in GMIT, and you have long hours. It's not like some of the other first year courses where you're only doing an hour here and there. Mm -hmm. It is constant like mm. sometimes we'd finish until we'd finish at seven o'clock
3: yeah
0: in the evening be- based on our practicals and our labs and stuff so mm. it is quite full-on um, but I'm grateful for my experience at the same time it made me made me push harder and strive for more you know I think I became such a resilient person from everything we went through mm. and that day when we, we were told we've got our residency, I was like it's I can see it now, I can see the finish line, yeah, you know, because residency then is a stepping stone to get becoming Irish as well, so I'm just like it's all that stress, you know, all that hardship is got finally making sense you know? it must
1: have felt like such a weight off your shoulders yours. yeah it it did, it did, and um
0: i'm I'm grateful because finally i was like i'm i'm normal yeah, that's what i yeah. that's the the sense that i got i am normal mm-hmm. and he says that's a weird line to use but yeah no I,
1: I i totally get it because you'd spent you know like i moved to america when i was 7 so you know a little bit younger than when you moved to ireland and yeah. I very quickly felt like I was American and um, you know now my parents were very clear on the fact that I was Irish but like you know at that <laughs> yeah. age you want to assimilate you want to be like everybody else it's like it's yeah. it's just part of your, your you know the way that we evolve as human beings Absolutely. you know at that age you just want to be like everybody else and yeah. and you know you weren't able to be because of the system that you were stuck in so I, I think mm-hmm. I completely understand that feeling of like finally you know I can be like everybody else um, and yeah. but of course course you're not like everybody else because you're very special (laughs) you're a very special person um so you know you obviously kept studying and um you were working as a model as well and then what made you decide to enter Miss Ireland
0: um I've always kind of wanted to do it you know ever since watching it um those those promoter jobs I was doing I ended up working in the bar for the same um late bar Mm -hmm. and they had Miss Galway going on at the time and I was mistaken for a contestant I was encouraged to to apply and I I knew I couldn't because I wasn't an Irish citizen yet mm-hmm. um, but watching them and following the journey and then watching other pageants like 2019 was a huge year in pageantry for women of color and black women because it was that first year that almost all the major pageants were held by Black women as title winners. Mm. And that was so inspiring to me because, you know, for the longest time, our beauty was not seen as beauty. And to, to, to be a winner of that kind of competition where, you know, you, your beauty may not be that much represented there is incredible. And I was so inspired by them. They were so intelligent. If you heard some of these women mm. speak, you were like, wow, you know, Mm. so I think after that year, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, the the moment I get a chance, I'm gonna do it. And it was kind of like, fate nearly, because the day I got my citizenship approval, it was the kind of closing date for Miss Galway. um, (laughs) Yeah, so I was like, oh my god, I can do this now. And um, I applied, and it went really well. And I did know that throughout the competition, I wanted to raise a point of something that is important because I think, you know, with beauty pageants, people think it's just about looking a certain way. And I straight away, I did not look a certain beauty standard. I was not the beauty standard. You know, I was not as tall. I was not as skinny. Mm. um, And I was a woman of color. So I already knew that it might it might be an uphill battle, but I was like, I don't care. They're going to get me as I am. And along the way, I'm going to uplift and raise awareness and voices for people that are like me, that came from my situation mm. and are still in a situation. And that is what I did throughout my whole reign. And I'm so glad I did that because during our pandemic, I was able to do something that was worth so much more. Till this day, we have three computer rooms installed in um, three asylum refugee centres that kids can still use till today. Mm. And that was from my work as Miss Galway and Miss Ireland. So I'm re- I'm really happy about that.
1: You do incredible work. Because uh, tell us about some of the other work that you do for particularly for kids who who are living in direct provision.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I I went through a few centers you know gave you little talks I was kind of like a mentor for them Mm -hmm. and they were able to tell me about themselves and what they want to achieve and you know just even sitting there and listening to them and knowing that they had someone there they could talk to and reach out to Mm -hmm. made such a difference I could see it you know Mm -hmm. Uh, my my campaign was called make uh, education a superpower Mm -hmm. and like one of the kids came up to me after it all and was like you're my superhero (laughs) you know that kind of way and I was like oh my god (laughs) and it was so nice to see them wanting like one of the kids wanted to be a neurosurgeon another one um I think she wanted to do something space related it was like
1: you know they have so much big dreams yeah
0: big big goals and it's good I'm glad they have it because you know I I've always said to them don't let your your circumstance be an obstacle in your life yeah you know you can there's always a way you just have to be willing enough to find it.
1: Well, that makes Um, so much sense, Pamela, because if you think about, you know, when you were saying, you know, at the time when you started to give up hope, it probably would have meant so much to you to meet someone like you who had been through it, who had come out the other side and who was doing what they really wanted to do. Mm. So I bet you, I mean, honestly, I'd say you can't even imagine the impact that you've had on those those kids that you've met through this time. And I know that you'll continue to meet.
0: Absolutely. And like sometimes, In the end of the day, the kids just want to have fun because living in a centre is just, it can be quite daunting. And apart from speaking to them about education, I also wanted to do something fun for them. So I did take them on a few days out with Pam, I called it. Mm. And we went to the cinema. They had this other band thing that they did in in, uh, Salt Hill as well. So that was quite cool. Mm. And, you know, just something fun just to... Remind them that at the end of the day, they're still kids, even though yeah. their lives might seem so much different from other kids. They can still be just kids.
1: Yeah. Can I ask, like, you know, I'm sure that there will be people listening to this. And I, I know that I have asked myself so many times, like, what can we do to support people living in direct provision?
0: Um, well, you can. You can reach out to centers. There are, there are kind of commute. There should be a, like a resident um, coordinator there that knows what that center needs at that particular time. You right. know, there's different right. situations. There could be mothers with newborns that might need like certain items for newborns. You know, there might be kids that just want to, you know go out and they do have programs for certain activities for the kids but sometimes it's just about funding and yeah. getting the right funding out so um like i i would work more closely with our eglinton center here in galway and you know whenever they do have something and they do need funding i would put it out there yeah. um in my socials and try to you get know the funding together get, mm. yeah so it's, it's more about reaching out to them, talking to them. It, every person in every centre is different and every, every centre has different kind of... Yes. Some centres are better than others and yeah. that's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, yeah. They might have better access to certain things and some don't. So you have to nearly go out to your local centre and see what it is that's lacking and see what, what ways, even if it's just talking about it in your community and seeing what we can put together. Yeah. like. I did the Santa boxes, um, two Christmases ago, Mm. uh, which was really nice. So I, I just told everyone what I'm doing. If anyone wanted to make a Santa box, I said, drop it off to me, or I can pick it up at whatever location and I'll drop it off to the center. Mm. Um, So stuff like that, you know, makes a difference. I received a Santa box before as well when I was there. So nice.
1: (laughs) You know how important it is. Well, (laughs) yeah. I think I think that's a really good suggestion because I think people might feel almost a little bit afraid um, to kind of you know Mm. make contact, but it seems like that is the best kind of first protocol. And obviously, we can all be talking to our politicians and making it clear to our representatives. Yeah, particularly around Christmas time. I think
0: I think around Christmas time is a good time to really show um the kids a little bit of love you know and they a lot of centers do those little christmas boxes or even let's say christmas time or going back to school time that's another good time to to do something to help the kids um
1: and they will be happy to receive those packages honestly good well pamela i know we've spoken a lot about direct provision today and i'm really glad that we did but i also want to just emphasize you know your success you are (laughs) such a beautiful person inside and out and you have done such brilliant things and you know i think it's been really gorgeous to see someone really embrace the miss ireland title and really do something with it not that other people haven't but you know i've been i've gotten a a real glimpse of of your particular journey (laughs) with it um Um, And I know, I mean, obviously, you're not going to stop when you give back the (laughs) time.
0: No, um, I think there was never stopping me, really. (laughs) No matter what I did, I always try to, I'm quite an ambitious person. So I always try to aim for the best possible thing I could do Mm. in that situation, whatever it is.
1: Well, I think... Um, I think we are super lucky to have you in Ireland Pamela uh, as an (laughs) Irish person and um, I'm so glad that you took the time to talk to me today.
0: Uh, Thank you so much and I will say that I have met the most incredible women in industry Mm. doing whatever they do respectfully but I think one thing about Ireland is that there is really a huge support system there Mm. especially amongst us women. I think we got each other's yeah and I've I've really seen that and I didn't expect it you know I thought because I'm not from this um world where you go to all these amazing events and Mm -hmm. you do all these different things and I thought there's hardly any way that they're actually going to be super nice people you know they're Mm -hmm. you know everyone's out for themselves but no that wasn't the case Mm -hmm. um People are there for you. People really uplift you, support you. And I've seen that and I continue to see that. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, I have to say I've had the same experience. Um, So it's lovely to hear that, that you've you've had it too. Well, Pamela, thank you again. And I hope you have a lovely day. Best of luck with the transition and the handover Handover. and (laughs) waving goodbye to Miss Ireland. Although I suppose once you're Miss Ireland, you're always Miss Ireland, really.
0: Always Miss Ireland. Yeah, (laughs) they're not going to get rid of me anytime soon. (laughs) I love it.
1: Thank you so much. Now it is time to catch up on the week's stories in the world of entertainment. Neighbours is finally coming to an end. Can you believe it? Um, Esther actually cries about Neighbours, would you believe? (laughs) And I love her for that. Um, and also, could we get a middle-aged spin-off of Love Island? I for one I'm here for it. Let's have a listen to everything that's gone on in the world of entertainment this week. Esther Omar Donahue, thank you so much for being back with us once again. Um, it is always a joy. It's nice to be back in the room with you.
2: I'm back in the room. That's uh, we did a we did a remember one last time on the holidays in my shorts. Was I like, completely focused? Perhaps not. But- <laughs> It's your vehicle, so, I mean, you know.
1: Look, what can you do? What can we do? Um, okay, we've got a lot to talk about in the world of entertainment this week, starting with yes. the end of Neighbours. It's actually upon us. Louise. Esther. Did I start my period yesterday? Yes.
2: <laughs> did I cry at the Neighbours finale promo video? I did. Did I you? I had a tear in my eye. No, I was very hormonal. But um, it, it, there's a, And I have not watched Neighbours in... Many twelve decades, probably a long time. <laughs> yeah. But Toadie says in the clip, "We might be leaving the street, but we're always going to be in each other's lives." <laughs> oh, actually, we,
1: now that you say, because I haven't watched Neighbors in a long time, but it was at one stage a very important part of my life. Yeah. And if I was reacquainted with the young Toadfish, <laughs> maybe I too would shed a tear.
2: Would you shed a tear for young Toadfish? But I mean, yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't. Don't know what the plots are going on. Like what's happening in Neighbors now?
1: But it is was. Susan a Kennedy of life. is Susan Kennedy in it? Yeah. Does she still, still have the fringe?
2: She still has a little spiky kind of, yeah. she She hasn't, she, you know, the kind of little to the head. Remember co- she had to the that
1: head. blunt fringe long hair for years.
2: That, yeah, I can't Dr. remember Carl that now. Dr. Kennedy's wife. But she's yeah. still in it. Anyway, Neighbours finale airs on the 3rd of August. Anyway, shut up, Louise. Neighbours <laughs> finale. I'm ready to start talking about the actual facts. <laughs> the Neighbours finale airs on the 3rd of August on RTE2. The soap's coming to an end after 37 years and over 9,000 episodes. And it was a launch pad for so many yeah. careers over the years. So... Charlene Robinson, played by Kylie Minogue, Scott Robinson, Jason Donovan, Harold Bishop's coming back and it was announced at uh, the end of last week, Delta Goodrum, uh, Margot Robbie, Natalie Imbrudia and Holly Valance are all going to somehow weave their way into the final show. You've got to and watch it. you got it's It's an icon and um, Home and Away is still on air though, if anyone wants that hit of <laughs> that <we> bang <laughs> of Aussie fake lifestyle. Uh, so, I saw someone saying they should just move,
1: all the neighbours people should move to Summer Bay.
2: <laughs> that would be like, what? But, yeah, in the but imagine the, What the actual characters?
1: Yeah. arrived. I would be into that.
2: Yeah, they're making a change because is is yeah. So, so home away is set in Sydney, I think, or yeah. So they'd be like, we're starting our new lives in Sydney. We move from Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. why not? You know what could happen. But um, I mean, there's all those actors who now, I mean, they'll get work somewhere else, I'm sure, but they could start popping up in Home and Away.
1: I'd love they that. eat,
2: it would be great, yeah.
1: I mean, I don't watch either of the programs. But. Either do I, but at the same time, I did cry yeah. yesterday <laughs> watching The Trainer. So I love that all the people are coming back. Like, you know, and, and big... People who have huge careers. It's great that they're all like, no, you have to go back to Ramsey Street.
2: Yeah, to Ramsey Street and to Erinsborough. Like, that's the thing. I'm so out of the loop of all that information. But when you hear it, you're like, it is. They yeah. do live in Erinsborough. It yeah. <laughs> um, and, and Margot Robbie's off filming Barbie, the I mean. movie, and she's jetting into, or she had, I'm sure she's recorded it already, her little cameo and stuff. So I don't know how they're going to manifest in the episode. It could be literally just opening, get, collecting the mail and there's, there's Charlene in her... Overalls fixing a car or something like
1: that. Um, I I read that, uh, RTE are making over fifty classic episodes of the show available to watch on the RTE player, from big weddings and shocking deaths to disasters and heartwarming birthday and anniversary specials. Can you remember any specific events aside from Kylie and Jason? No, I can't either. It's all just a blur, and yet I remember being like, particularly when I was. About 12, 11, 12. We used to go to Wexford for the summer and stay in my aunt and uncle's house. And all the cousins, there were two TVs over three houses, I think. And none of them had any channels. Like it was all like a coat hanger on top of them. And you could just about get or and um and there are two things I remember watching in, in those houses one is Michelle Smith winning her medals at the Olympics mm-hmm. and the other is neighbours every day we'd go to the beach for the morning we'd come back we'd have our lunch we'd watch neighbours it was the only TV we watched the whole time we were there and then we'd go back to the beach like it, it was such a part of my life and yet I can't remember
2: I couldn't anything. remember no but I had an aunt who she still lives in Australia and they'd be slightly ahead and it was like being this is the currency I'm bringing to the schoolyard <laughs> Of course, you know, Scott and Charlene do make it in the end. They're like, whoa, oh, that's, we saw that coming. Yeah, well, it's official. I heard it from Australia. You're going to see it in about five weeks. No
1: wonder you were so popular. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Um, okay, moving on. The UK is going to host Eurovision on the Ukraine. Oh, I keep making that mistake at the moment. Why do I keep doing that? It's like I've reverted.
2: Because you're, you're deeply flawed.
1: UK is going to be hosting Eurovision on behalf of Ukraine. Because, of course, Ukraine won last year.
2: Yes. This you, year. This this year. This I oh, know. This year. It was only recent, on. yeah. A lot's going on, Louise. So Coluche Orchestra were the this year's winners of Eurovision with the song Stefania. However, it's just been announced, or announced the other day, the organisers decided it couldn't be held in Ukraine due to the ongoing war. So the UK are now going to host it. Um, And uh, Sam Ryder of the UK, uh, of course, came second. Ola Pesuk, the lead singer of Kalish Orchestra, expressed his gratitude to the UK for holding the event in support of our country. He said he was very sad that Ukraine could not host the contest, but hoped it would celebrate our beautiful, unique culture. And Sam Ryder, the UK uh, runner-up, he said, you know, he it was kind of funny the language he was using, but it was a sign of the times. Like he was like, we're going to hold space for them. It's going to be celebrating Ukrainian culture and they're just the facilitators. Yeah. Um, and it, it hasn't been decided. I think
1: decided- you said it's it's Ukraine's party in yeah. our house. Yes,
2: that's yeah. it. So, and it hasn't been decided what part of the house it's going to be <laughs> held in yet. Thank you. Very good. Uh, thank you, Harry
1: Styles. Sorry,
2: sort of there. So, but they're they're going to just, I don't know, cross-tabulate Excel spreadsheets and decide that hasn't been announced yet. But it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a huge party. And um, and then I think that they're going to... Uh, you know, you know, you know, if, if everything is all, all is calm and well again in Ukraine, maybe that they can kind of re-host it again or something. Yeah. Or, uh, so it's, it's strange times, but. Um,
1: Wouldn't it be great you know, if it was like, uh, it's hard to imagine things being resolved there, but hopefully we yeah. can, but hope. Um, let's talk about Joni Mitchell performing. I know, I know she's already weeping. I know, it's too much.
2: I agree. If, if Toadfish got me the <laughs> neighbor's trainer, do you think I could keep my myself together for this? I wept. I wept. Okay, so we need Joy. We need Drew Barrymore walking in the rain. We need Joni Mitchell. You need to see this video. Oh my God. And I went straight in for the when I was like, I know what I'm doing. I went uh, for both sides now. Me too. I did the
1: exact same thing.
2: Anyway, so uh, Joni Mitchell, icon, legend, et cetera. In 2015, she had a brain aneurysm. She struggled to walk until 2020. She's been going through it. She's 78, and so she's been a long time in this in in her uh, in her craft. She surprised crowds at the Newport Folk Festival in Rhode Island, um, uh, recently, and she played guitar briefly and performed for the first time in over 10 years. Mm. And uh, according to an an LA Times article on the performance, uh, they said it proves that God or whatever source of sustaining grace you believe in has
1: not. Yeah, left the building. Yeah. Oh Jesus, it was It was so she sounded so beautiful. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. she I thought the way yeah. she sang both sides now out, it there was such a richness in her voice. Um and, and to see her supported by she was on the stage with Brandy Carlisle. Yeah. Winona Judd was behind her. Did you see this? Yeah. And Winona was just openly weeping. Yeah, like, yeah. It was such a powerful moment.
2: It was it was like a horseshoe of other artists and they were there was several of them weeping and like, oh, yeah. just kind of holding. Oh my god, I'm sad thinking about it. Because when you think about it, it's it's like you can kind of transfer it to all our lives. Like was, someone has such a long career, yeah, and it, the song obviously got a different
1: meaning that she's gone yeah. through so much and that. We all go through so much. Oh, Louise, I'm starting to cry now. I know. It is day two of the period. She does genuinely have tears in her eyes. I know. But it's, uh, you know, she she also holds such significance for so Mm -hmm. many people and particularly, obviously, female musicians and artists. So it's just great. It's great to see that you can have something like, you know, she had an extremely difficult health experience with that aneurysm. You know, I think I read she had to learn to play the guitar again Mm -hmm. and that she was able to come through it. And at 77, be there on the stage, absolutely killing it. Um, is seventy eight? Excuse me, is amazing.
2: Yes, and, and she. I mean, she's putting together another like uh album of you know past releases as well. And I just, I forgot about that she had recently. Was it even was it was it this year? Was it last year? Remove requested Spotify remove her music in protest against a particular podcast
1: mm.
2: perhaps disseminating disinformation so she's principal she's performing Esther cried on a podcast just right now
1: <laughs> let's just quickly move on please she's amazing yes yeah, yeah, let's move, let's move on to something a little bit more serious <laughs> <laughs> what yes. really happened when one direction was formed <laughs> everyone's been dying to know dun, dun, dun. in fairness because of the whole liam payne thing everybody kind of has been dying to know because obviously liam payne said in that wild entry he gave recently that one direction was built around him and people were like really babe
2: yeah but look it, you know perhaps someone did tell liam payne gassed him up maybe they were all taken into different corners oh i'm sure someone yeah. did tell him that i'm sure someone did but the the wisdom in saying that out loud yes and centering yourself when and he's not he's had incredible success and has made so much money and blah, 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 blah. but when you've got your bandmates are harry styles and niall horan and they're out there they're doing their thing it, it's just like he's still in the mix so he's trying to hold on to some legendary yeah. status it's like you've done loads yeah. it's okay but anyway so he yeah so in this in this interview which you haven't listened to was it what what logan brother was it Logan Paul. Logan. Oh, the Paul is a surname. You see, yeah. it's confusing. <laughs> Logan Paul. So go back and listen. It's, it's interesting. It's probably better to watch it. Yeah, you we. Get, the, whole, you get the, the gamut of the. We the, talked about it extensively here, so you're probably familiar. You're probably familiar. Yeah. Anyway, so when in 2010 boy band One Direction made up of our favourites formed in the X Factor Liam Payne said yeah I was the centre of the universe their lives changed forever it's been 12 years so in celebration behind the scenes footage of Simon Cowell Nicole Scherzinger and Louis kind of putting the, mix, the band the mix together has been released mm. and it is in direct uh, contravention of what Liam said so it showed one of the clips shows Nicole uh, giving the boys a boost saying let's kind of put together our imaginary boy band instead and they put whoring down who is Irish as the first member. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of added the like all the other. Yeah, they add
1: Harry and they're like, oh, we really liked him. And in fairness to Liam, when they get to Liam, they do say, you know, he's strong. He could be the leader of the group because, Mm -hmm. I mean, he did have that personality. Like I remember in the context of the show, there was that vibe that he was the leader um, of the group. Just because of personality. But I, yeah, but the initial two, Harry and
2: Niall. Harry and Nile. Harry and Nile. <laughs> you read it here first. Yeah. So uh confining that's been put to bed. So that conspiracy is marked under done. We've we did a team and it's just let's put that in the bank.
1: Now to my favourite story of the week. Yes, that's right. Something even better than Tony Mitchell
2: <laughs> singing again. <laughs> well, I am not gonna cry at this one. No,
1: I don't I, I don't think I really believe that, but I do yeah. love this. There are rumors of mm. a Love Island spin off, including middle-aged people People. they're in their middle age yes i'm the first they're they're not dead yet that's what should be called love island not Not dead dead yet
2: yet. (laughs) yeah we yeah we still got it ish (laughs) but so this is my first year getting into Love island so i'm still learning about the love island universe and i think yes it could expand to include different body sizes different shapes everything different age groups and universe listening let's get a woman doing the voiceover put myself out there Let's do get this. Let's, let's get this trending because it's always mentioning the VOs the quirky, funny man. But let's, I agree. Yeah, let's get a woman to do it. So yeah, there's a the rumours that there's a potential spin off series of Love Island, and it's apparently in the pipeline. Who knows um, if it's going to come to fruition? But they, you know, generally tend to cast toned singlers in their twenties. Yeah. Um, and it, the now, I don't know if this is the original title has been floated as your mum, my dad. Mm. I mean. Mm. no that, need, that needs work um, and they're looking for a second shot at love I mean if you're into your 40s and 50s it's probably your 14th or 15th shot at love yeah. yeah so anyway we need to still revise this um, and also what about people who haven't had their first shot at love exactly there are
1: people who will come to love very late in life
2: let's not put any rules and, no not so many rules and regulations and limits on this Um. So, uh, yeah, so the report suggests that the show will begin filming later this year with the aim of airing on TV in 2023,
1: um, but it uh, hasn't been commissioned yet, so... I would love to watch that. But I think as well, like, I would love to watch a Love Island that was just generally more diverse because, um, you know, wouldn't it be great to see, like, I don't know, some 25-year-old beefcake suddenly fancying 45-year-old Sharon... <laughs> You know, who, like, you know, from down the road or whatever. Although I suppose, like, obviously there are t- potentially dangerous dynamics there. But but it would be great to see more diversity. I, f- I feel like the reason that they, I've read often that they give for not having more body diversity is that they don't trust basically the viewing public mm-hmm. not to be horrendous. And that out of a duty of care to people, they don't want to put people in a position where they're going to receive a yeah. lot of abuse, which is just, like, tragic.
2: But, I mean, it is a particular product and it's... it's that's what it, That's what it is. It yeah. is what it is. Yeah. And maybe they'll create some other show that maybe will have... And, there's, and look, there's a plenty of other types of dating shows. There's, a, there's shows on Channel 4 where people take off their clothes and reveal the genitals yes. first. So there's also... This is one product. That's what it is. But I still think it is interesting in, even though this is my first year fully committing and watching it, that the audience have sort of... It's very, like, standard, straight... Um, kind of casting but how the audience view it has also kind of tr- kind of been trained to be pers- to, has been changed over the, to- over the course of the course of the few years it's been on, on air and so there are lessons to be drawn from it because it is sort of sold as kind of a generic standard central casting type body type but it's so we're kind of learning things as we're watching it in a yeah. way people aren't being educated sort of you know in the conversations they have about the way people are treating certain people on the show as yeah, well yeah. it maybe can reflect back in people's lives maybe they're in a situation that isn't so yeah terrific and maybe they don't know how to express themselves um and so but it is, i say it is what it
1: is yeah, i of think you're right i think you're right it's not fair to expect it to be everything for everyone it i you know but i think the idea of a spin-off which features different type of people would be great i'd love to see a queer love island personally um imagine you had 10 pansexual people mm-hmm you yeah know? Well, it's just like, where, where, which way is it going to go? Who knows? who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I would find that absolutely thrilling to watch. And I know there have been other shows like that, but Love Island has just got such a strong brand yeah. and such a loyal audience that with the Love Island name on it, mm. I feel like it would get a huge audience yeah. and it would be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, look, I could talk about Love Island forever. Um, now, very briefly, we just want to say a little, a little quick hat tip and congratulations to uh, County Kerry's Jesse Buckley. Yes, Kerry won the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship last Sunday, Louise, as you know. I really thought I was going to get through this entire episode without mentioning that, but fine. I'm fine. mad for Gat. No, I'm not. I <laughs>
2: hope, support everyone who's no, into congratulations, it. For- congratulations, congratulations, Kerry. Congratulations. And now, Kerry woman, Jessie Buckley, is among the list of the first-time nominees uh, uh, for the 30th anniversary of the Mercury Prize, celebrating British and Irish Albums of the Year. And um, she was also uh, nominated for an Oscar, which I forgot after... Uh, before I read this Um, so yeah she's
1: doing yeah doing very well for herself what can she not do? What can she not do? Jessie Buckley, what a talent. Although actually, I re- the first time I got to know Jessie Buckley was the BBC used to have this show that they did that was like competing yeah. for a West End role. Yeah, And they did one that was for Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. And they did one for Nancy in Oliver. And she was in that. The mm. show was called I Do Anything. She was in it. She was amazing. She was a teenager, I think. Mm. I think she was probably like 16 or something. Um maybe I've made that age up but she was young yeah. um, and she was amazing and yeah. so no wonder now she's a she's certainly oh, yeah. leveled up from Wouldn't I like do anything would be like her <laughs> fair time. play Jessie Buckley yes indeed fair play we are in your corner mm-hmm. um, now uh, in fairness she makes music as part of a duo so we should probably acknowledge um, oh I didn't realise
2: that <laughs> Oh, well, then like anyone could do that. Oh, and then actually, yeah, well done. But like, you're I did half the work, so it's okay, I suppose. Oh, congratulations, Bernard Butler. You know, she did Bernard Butler's as, well. Butler
1: as well. Yeah, yes, fair yes, play. Yes, okay, correct. all right, Esther. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? You can find me at Esther Two Names at Instagram, and um, all paths lead from there. I would highly recommend subscribing to Esther's Patreon. Um, her newsletters are fantastic. You can read them or listen to them as audio works, and um, they brighten up my life every single time I do. That's correct, Esther.
2: Well, yeah. <laughs> no, not that's correct. Anyway,
1: just she's mortal. So. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, she can't handle praise. She can't handle it go. at all. Let's go. There you go. That's all for me this week. But thank you so much for tuning in. I don't have a lot of recommendations this week. It's been a really busy one. So I didn't have a lot of time for TV and stuff. But what I will recommend is Hide and Seek. It's a new book from Andrea Mara. It's out on the 4th of August. She is Irish. She writes brilliant thrillers. If you like twists and turns, I think this one is for you. So it's called Hide and Seek, as I said, out on August 4th, which is, is it next Thursday? Um, but yeah, hopefully between now and next Friday, I will have more recommendations for you. And I can I can get back into the world a little bit more. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this episode, and you feel like recommending it to someone, I would be so grateful. And um, like, subscribe, review, all of that stuff is very helpful. And um, until next week, I hope you have a really good one. And if you can't, I hope you manage to take care of yourself. Every week can't be great. And all we can do is just put one foot in front of the other and um, do our best to support each other. So uh, yeah, I will talk to you next Friday.